0: Hut Media There are lies people tell us to keep us in line. You've heard them. Some are relatively harmless. Be good or Santa won't bring you any presents. Don't eat sweets before bed or you'll have nightmares. Others carry with them damage that can last a lifetime. Lies like being queer or trans excludes you from love or motherhood or fatherhood. Lies like gender is binary and absolute. Today, Jake and Hannah Graff share their journey as individuals, as partners, and as a family. I'm Levi Chambers, and this is Pride. Jake and Hannah are not only one of the most beautiful couples I've seen, they also have a pretty cute origin story.
1: I always enjoy telling this story. Um...
0: I'll start us off. Jake had been traveling, doing press for a film he had acted in that was getting rave reviews, Tom Hooper's The Danish Girl. Hannah had just been publicly outed by the British tabloid The Sun
1: one of our most, more sort of trashy uh, newspapers on the front page, in fact, and they'd kind of discover that there was a um, transgender soldier serving and had basically put pre and post transition photos on the front page.
0: After that, even though they'd never met, they sort of floated into each other's orbits. The
1: transgender community is quite small and we do all sort of, we're all kind of vaguely aware of each other.
0: Then Hannah popped up on Jake's Facebook in the People You May Know section. A friend request was sent, followed by a message, followed by some more messages, and some awkward flirting. It was December 2015.
1: And it was Christmas time, and you know, you're all at home with your family and having a few drinks, and so the flirtation was was fairly, fairly forward and fairly awkward.
0: Jake asked her if she would be open to talking on the phone, but Hannah said no. She was afraid that he would hear her deep voice and
1: would not be interested in her. And obviously, you know, I'd seen her being interviewed when she was outed. I'd seen her being interviewed. I was more than aware that she had a beautiful, deep voice.
0: But Hannah was adamant. She didn't want to do it. All in all, Jake says it took 10 days to convince Hannah to let him call her.
1: We on that first conversation discussed whether or not she'd be open to getting married and having children. because. I, at that point, was adamant that I wanted to have kids and I'd gone through a sort of fairly painful process of kind of having eggs harvested and frozen and, you know, gone through all of that as a single person and then met Hannah about six months later and I, I knew that was my journey. And luckily, she said, I would be open to the, to the notion of marriage and kids.
0: So they kept talking, and four days later, on December thirtieth, at around three in the afternoon, they had their very first date in the South Bank area of London.
1: Because I thought, well, look, it's Christmas time, and you know, if this all goes horribly wrong, I can obviously, but by, by kind of six o'clock, go off and see my friends, and, and the evening won't be wasted. So I had, uh, and I'm ashamed, ashamed to admit that I had a friend call me at six o'clock with the kind of emergency phone call. But by six, Hannah and I had been chatting nonstop for three hours. Um, We stayed out and we had our first kiss at about 8. We were having dinner at 9 and we were still sitting in a, strangely, a military bar at 1 in the morning that Hannah had whizzed us into, just not wanting to leave each other. The next day was New Year's Eve and I actually told my friends that I'd be spending it with a a young lady and Hannah and I spent our first New Year's together and uh, haven't really looked back since. My name is Jake Graf, and I am a writer and actor and director.
2: My name is Hannah Graf. I am Jake's wife. That's not the only thing that defines me, but that is one of the things I am.
0: After coming out in 2013, Hannah became the highest ranking transgender officer in the British Army. She took on a role as the Army's transgender representative, where she advised senior Army commanders on transgender policy and offered mentorship and support to trans soldiers. Last year, for her service and advocacy, Prince William awarded her an MBE, which stands for Member of the Most Excellent Order of the British Empire. Yes, that's really what it's called. Hannah left the army in 2018, when she and Jake decided to get married and start a family. And spoiler alert. So um, we do have
1: the baby in the room. We, we She had, she was in the kitchen a minute ago, but we uh, she was crying. So we now have a baby in a Moses basket really just next to the to the computer she's eight weeks old yesterday so if she squeaks a little it's only because she doesn't know anybody yet so she's got a she's got a pacifier in her mouth and she's all swaddled and she looks quite happy but she looks very wide awake so if you hear any squeaking then it's from our eight week old.
0: Jake in addition to being a new father is an award-winning director writer and actor. You probably saw him in The Danish Girl, or alongside Kira Knightley in Colette. And you may be familiar with his viral video Headspace, which is now used in hospitals, universities, schools, and prisons as an educational tool. Okay, fine, I'll stop bragging about them. Breathe.
1: Jeez. Oh, You'd think there'd be another bathroom we could use? Gender neutral? I can't get people to leave because of me. So I am a London boy, uh, born and bred. And I had a really lovely childhood, bar the fact that I knew from the age of about three that I was meant to be male, that I was male, and that everyone was telling me I was a little girl. And I mean, my, my mom tells me that it was pretty much as soon as I could speak, at the age of about two and a half, I managed to get out the words, you know, I am a boy, I am a boy, and I would, according to her, tell her this every day for the first, you know, few years of my life until I realised that children young girls weren't supposed to say that they were boys
0: growing up in london in the 80s jake didn't have access to resources for trans people the word transgender was new and hadn't been secured itself in the nomenclature there were no online communities the internet was still just a thing scientists used to share data so
1: i grew up feeling very different feeling a bit like like there was something seriously wrong with me um, no one would listen to me when i told them who i was
0: he was bullied at school for wearing his hair short for not looking like he was expected to. No one really understood why he was, who he was, or what to do about it.
1: So, much as so I had a loving family, they, you know, could have been completely aliens to me because they couldn't give me any kind of support at a time when I so desperately needed it during those formative years.
0: Hannah grew up in Cardiff, the capital city of Wales. And like Jake, she says she grew up with a kind and loving family, but they weren't immediately familiar with the trans community.
2: Um And... Like Jake, you know, and many trans people, I grew up definitely feeling kind of a disconnect between um, my kind of body and my identity and the role I was supposed to play in society. Um, But I grew up very much realizing that as a young boy, I wasn't supposed to talk about my want or desire to have any kind of link to femininity or to... Know, to say the words, I want to be a girl, and so I didn't. I buried those feelings very deep down, and I held them very deep down for a, a very long time.
1: As you hurtle towards puberty, you have a growing sense of dread, which I certainly did, and then obviously puberty hits, and everything gets a whole lot worse, and uh, I became a very angry young person, and unfortunately pushed away all my family, burnt all my bridges, damaged all my relationships, until... Well, much, much later, I didn't transition until I was about 27 years old. And up until then, my my relationship with my family was very, very fractious and very difficult. Um, And luckily, everything is good now, but it has taken about a decade of very hard work to rebuild all of those um, broken relationships.
0: When Hannah was 16, she went off to army school and learned all about becoming an officer. Then, after graduating from university in 2010, she went on to the Royal Military Academy, Sandhurst.
2: I joined the army properly in 2009. I became an officer in 2010. And all through that time, I kind of very much bottled up my, my identity as a transgender woman.
0: That was the baby there. Her name is Millie.
2: Yeah, I had my first command. I was commanding you know, a team of about 30 men. I thought, gosh, how can these people ever respect me if I come out as transgender? But my... Um, my senior command, will they, ever, will they ever respect me?
0: And so, Hannah says, she just kept quiet and kept to herself. That is, until she was on tour in Afghanistan and she couldn't keep hiding.
2: There was no internet. I'd lost all my coping mechanisms. I was in a um, a tent with seven other men with no private space and it all got a bit too much. And So I promised myself when I came home, I'd never put myself through that again. So I did that. I came home and I came out to my commanding officer and luckily... Um, I'm very fortunate in the British Army, we had a transgender policy, and they were very, very amazing, and they supported me the entire way through.
0: Hear that, American government? The British Army has accepted trans soldiers for the last 20 years. 20 years, and nothing caught fire, Well, J.K. Rowling's views on trans people are a dumpster fire. We recorded this interview with Jake and Hannah in early June, just a day after the Harry Potter author published a lengthy opinion piece to her website about why she didn't support trans rights.
2: I have been a lifelong Harry Potter fan. Um, I have been for many, many, many years. I've read the books so many times, listened to the audiobooks. Uh, I love the stories, I love what the stories stand for, and I love the messages of the stories. And and so I do find it difficult to comprehend how someone can write such Equality-based and rights-based kind of narrative, and then at the same time have a read out some comments that feel to me extremely anti-trans. Um, I, it, it's really challenging. I think I think a lot of people are kind of trying to reconcile the love for the arts, but not the love for the artist anymore. She's actively putting out misinformation and these kind of transphobic tropes, which are. Just so old and tired. I just they're not even worth mentioning, but I mean, painting herself as a victim and associ- associating her own domestic abuse, which is absolutely deplorable, but associating that with you know trans women as if we are somehow the perpetrators, I think is really dangerous and it's inviting abuse and violence on trans people, and I just think it's wrong.
0: J.K. Rowling first expressed her anti-trans sentiments in December of 2019, when she loudly supported Maya Forstater, the woman who sued her former employer for discriminating against her for denying the existence of trans men and women. Then, J.K. just kept digging in. Which makes some sense, I guess, considering how large and outspoken the trans-exclusionary radical feminists, you've probably seen it abbreviated as TERFs, are in the UK.
2: I think that there's a lot of misconceptions, misinformation, and just outright nasty things that are being said, and I, I really think it needs to stop. I, I I certainly don't want to get into a into a battle with J.K. Rowling. She's far too powerful, influential, and intelligent for for me to take that on. I just think that what she's doing is a bit irresponsible, if I'm
0: honest. Jake, on the other hand, says he was never a big Harry Potter fan himself, but he's seen how much the wizarding world means to the fans
1: a lot of the kids that we work with, a lot of the trans kids, a lot of the queer kids um love those books and have found great solace and great comfort in those books and I think with everything, I mean, the timing's strange anyway, right in the middle of everything going on with Black Lives Matter, right in the middle of a global pandemic of, of you know, deaths and, and lockdowns and misery and people really struggling to keep their heads above water, that she deemed it the appropriate time to then basically launch an attack on one of the smallest minorities in the world, and, and, and in particular trans women. And as we know, trans women, particularly trans women of color, are the most maligned and the most viciously attacked and in fact, quite often murdered um, minority within our beautiful and diverse LGBT community, and it feels irresponsible. It feels almost inexplicably unkind and cruel. And. To be honest, you know, I've seen my wife, I've seen Hannah in tears. This was before this last episode, which is I think kind of really made it very clear of her position, you know, a couple of weeks ago or a couple of months ago when she would liked a few tweets and people were starting to kind of murmur about, you know, why is she supporting, t- you know, transphobes and so on. And I saw Hannah in tears saying, you know, I had looked forward to one day reading these books to my daughter and she was really devastated that someone that she had looked up to for so long would be speaking so vehemently and so unkindly and cruelly about her and you know whilst obviously trans men are touched upon we largely get kind of left by the wayside because obviously you know we almost derail the argument if, if Hannah's not meant to be in a woman's space because she's really a man then obviously it means that I am meant to be in a woman's space and that doesn't quite fit into the rhetoric of, the, of this sort of transphobia so trans guys usually get sort of left out of it although as I say this time we were... Dragged in a little bit. Honourable Yeah, honourable mention, which is nice.
2: Um, I mean, one of the things I would say, though, is that I have been pleasantly surprised by how many people are vocally standing up for us, you know, and our allies, especially, obviously, from her films. You only have to look at, you know, Daniel Radcliffe, Emma Watson, Annie Redmayne and a handful of other you know, actors who have all been part of our films saying, I strongly disagree. They tend to be younger. They tend to be, have a, you know, maybe a different view on the world. And that's good. And I see some hope there for the future. So, you know, it, it, it's challenging. It's always going to be challenging. But I at least I hope that we've got a slightly brighter future ahead of us.
0: When we come back, surrogacy, finding love, and Millie. Welcome back. Today we're talking to Jake and Hannah Graff, trans advocates, new parents, and power couple. When Hannah and Jake first got together, they were both already in the public eye. So in order to build a strong foundation for their relationship, they decided to hold off on any public declarations of love.
1: But I think the first photo we ever put of ourselves as a couple got so much love and so much support, and so many people saying, you know, wow, you guys, you look really happy together, and you know, the last few years, particularly in the UK, but I think you know, across the world, for trans people has been tough, and we are painted in the media as unworthy of love, undeserving of love, ugly, undateable, all of those things, certainly not someone you'd ever want to, to take home to your
0: mother. But those things aren't true. They're lies that people tell to make themselves feel superior. And those lies get back to us, and they burrow.
2: I knew who I was for, for a long time before I came out. But I thought I was making the decision to by coming out as a transgender, of signing up to having no relationships, no love, no kind of family future. I genuinely thought that's what I was signing up to, and I thought about it, and I said, "Well, that's it. I I mean, I I would rather live myself and live as myself, but live alone." And I thought that's what I was going to be. I thought I would never be. I thought I was completely unlovable, and that self internalized transphobia, that kind of feeling of shame that both trans people and you know families of trans people and friends of trans people all feel um is wrong
1: and uh, we just realized that we had been through no sort of choice of our own and certainly no no kind of you know plan but we had become a bit of a beacon of hope for trans people who found themselves single and alone and finding it hard to date and you know who'd quite often has happened been um, through breakups as they went through their transitions. And we realized that, you know, I was, I was single for a long time before I met Hannah and uh, it, you know, lo- the loneliness that you feel as a trans person, because you know, dating is so hard and meeting people is so hard. And when do you disclose your trans status and all of it, I just become so riddled with anxiety about the whole dating um, field that meeting Hannah, and knowing that she absolutely understood who I was, was a, a huge relief. And that's not to say that we would ever say that trans people should only date other trans people, but we were very, very lucky because we got a torrent of positive support on Instagram and on Twitter whenever we posted, and it wasn't only that the, the young people and those sort of older trans people that would say, you know, you've helped me realise that I will find love, you've helped me realise that, you know, I, I can get married, you've helped me realise that there is hope. But it was it was the parents of those kids that would say to us, you know, Hannah and I are both patrons of a wonderful charity called Mermaids, which works with gender transgender and gender non-conforming youth. And um, we'd go to their weekend retreats and see all these amazing trans kids running around with all their families, all their supportive, wonderful families. And, you know, the kids don't care about us. We're old. They don't care about Jake and Hannah because, you know, we're like the patrons and they're busy doing their own thing. But it was the mothers and the fathers who would come up to us and say, you have made me realize that there is hope for my child. You have made me realize that just because they're trans or they're queer or they're different, that they there is still uh, a hope and a happy future ahead of them and that they can be everything they want to be. They can be a a captain in the British army, they can be an actor, they can be a writer, they can be married, they can be in love. And it was that I think for us that really kind of realized the importance of being out and being visible because Hannah and I grew up without any positivity, without any representation, without any visible role models. And I know from my point of view how desperately detrimental that was and how much that hurt me as a young person seeing no one like me.
2: And if Jake and I can just kind of dispel that myth to just a small part of our community, um, then that's obviously a great thing. And that's why we do it. And we are very lucky that we have a lot of great support. So in amongst all the pockets of hate, we get such an outpouring of love from our community. We're very, very lucky.
0: When Jake and Hannah decided to start their family, they knew that having children as a queer couple would come with its own set of challenges. The year they were married, 2018, is the same year Freddie McConnell was in the news for giving birth to his son. A documentary about that journey, called Seahorse, was released last year. You can rent it on YouTube. Freddie, a trans man, wanted to be listed as father on the birth certificate of his child.
1: Because of the way British law is currently tipped, Um, to be a mother actually is legally, only the person who's given birth to the child who has born that child can be named as mother, and they have to be named as mother.
0: Unfortunately, Freddie didn't win his appeal. Obviously, British and American laws still have a lot of catching up to do. But the progress is slow, especially when it comes to child rearing, because trans people are still a small minority, and trans people having children is an even smaller minority. It's new territory. When Hannah and Jake started their parental journey, they decided to use one of the fertilized eggs that Jake had stashed away and have their baby with the help of a surrogate.
2: It just felt like the, the most common sense option. Jake, as he said, had already gone through some fairly difficult processes to, to have embryos created and frozen. Um, and so we needed somewhere for them to to bake and cook. And so we <laughs> decided to look at, look at a surrogate as our first option.
1: We looked into the laws and we knew going into it that we would not both be named on um, Millie's birth certificate originally. Um, That if we wanted to be on her birth certificate originally, it would probably be me as parent number two uh, or Hannah could choose to go on and she would be listed as father. So we knew that it was gonna be an unusual ride. And obviously, you know, Freddie's kind of paving the way as as in terms of having actually had the child himself But obviously for us, we were, this is completely uncharted territory. I think we think we are the first couple, the first transgender couple to undergo the surrogacy process in the UK. So as it stands, we um, have to complete what's known as a parental order um, in the next few weeks. And then Millie will become legally ours at the moment as it stands, she still legally is not our daughter.
0: At the time of our interview, Jake said neither parent was listed on their daughter's birth certificate. It still showed the name of their surrogate. But very soon, both Hannah and Jake should be listed as parent one and parent two. For now, that's the best they can get under British law.
1: And to be perfectly honest, when you look at Millie and you realize that we are the luckiest and most fortunate people around. and. Honestly, I still can't believe that I have a daughter because this is something I've dreamt of for the last kind of 20 years of my life. Honestly, details like like being listed as parent instead of father, tr- I, it, I try not to let it bother me too much. And I know Hannah feels similarly. And obviously in a perfect world, we would be listed as mother and father eventually, but we're not quite there yet.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that obviously legally we would prefer it if it was different and it was a bit more open-minded and people could understand who is the mother and who is the father depend on the situation but in reality like i've got many in my arms right now because she was she wasn't she was fidgeting around and wasn't comfortable and she's falling asleep in my arms and she feels completely safe and i know that she will come to jake or i or scream for us when <laughs> when, when she needs us and i think that is what parenthood is
0: Sometimes it's outdated laws that try to lie to us. Sometimes it's the loud, intolerant voices of the super rich and super powerful. And other times, people we hadn't thought about in years creep out of the shadows to provide their unsolicited feedback. After doing an interview about their choice to use a surrogate, an old school friend of Jake's felt impelled to reach out.
1: And I got a message saying, you know, sorry, don't want to butt in. But, you know, I, I really, I wanted to voice my feelings because, you know, I'm a mother of three children, which already you think, well, okay, l- lucky you. And she said, I know that, you know, if anyone took a child from me, it would be ripping my child from my breast. And it's so terrible. And I can imagine that, you know, it, you, you would be draw, you know, dragging this child from its real mother. And, you know, all of the sort of, again, the, the, the myths around surrogacy that, Certainly, in this country, that you're stealing a woman's baby to to kind of appropriate as your own.
2: Yeah, I mean, one of the one of the common things that is is gets said. Well, well, why are you going through surrogacy? There are so many babies out there without without a family that need need adopting. You know, you should go through adoption first. And I've had people say that to me, even though they've got their own biological children. And you just think, well, hang on a second, how is that any different for you bringing a child into the world? It just seems that again, like Jake says, there's a it's kind of open season to be able just to express your views, even though they make no logical
1: sense. I mean, our surrogate had wanted to be a surrogate for um, about 10 years, 12 years, and she loves being pregnant. And she really wanted to help an LGBT couple, which was great and worked very well for us. And she absolutely loved the whole thing. And we've already discussed, which she volunteered, doing it again to, to have a little um, brother or sister for, for Millie.
0: A few weeks after the initial message, Jake says the friend reached back out and said,
1: Having thought about it, I realized that that wasn't fair and I don't know how it feels to not be able to have children of my own. And, you know, I I hope that you're not still angry and uh, I have now been able to put that to bed. But it was one of those things at the time I read this message and I just thought, what a strange thing to say to someone who's unable to have their own kids, you know, that you feel that it's your place to put that judgment on them.
0: Over the last 18 months, Hannah and Jake have had a camera crew documenting their lives as hopeful, then expecting, and now happy parents.
1: They've been with us for our entire surrogacy journey and followed us from finding our surrogate, to you know, getting to know her, to the whole kind of counseling that you have to go through to see if you're a good match, to the first uh, embryo transfer, which amazingly in our case took straight away. So we've had this camera crew with us the whole way along. Obviously we've got now this amazing kind of film on you know, record of Millie's entire start to life, which is just, I can't imagine a better home video to be able to kind of hop on when she's six or seven years old.
2: We will always bring Millie up with honesty and openness, obviously in an age-appropriate way. But I think you know a story like surrogacy is one of real love. You know, I don't want to like belittle the way most people have you know um, have kids, but it's a fairly <laughs> simple process um, to begin with. Whereas you know, a huge amount of administration, finance, um, energy, emotion has gone into making sure that Millie is in our lives, and that is just testament to how much. We wanted her and how much we love her. Um, and as for the rest of the stuff, I think it's all, If you are open and honest with your child, then it's nothing to. Uh, it just becomes normal. We will bring bring Millie up to be as open, as honest, as kind, and as accepting to other people who are different from her as we can be. And we will do our best to make sure that is her norm. And we hope that other people in a generation are also getting the same upbringing. Because if that's if we have a whole generation of people. You are being taught to be more open-minded and more accepting. All A hell of a lot of these issues that we're facing very keenly right now and today should not be there.
0: Outside of their plans to raise an empathetic, kind, and open-minded daughter, Jake and Hannah work with Mermaids, an organization that supports trans and gender-diverse children, young people, and their families in the UK
1: mermaids will support the child. They will support the parents. They will help these kids uh, come out in schools. They will help, you know, get the, get the child integrated into schools. You know, these are kids who have always known who they are, who for the most part, if they're in the mermaid system, mostly mostly have supportive parents who just want their children, children to be happy. And, you know, a lot of these kids, because they are so desperate to, to you know, have the help, to have the medical help, a lot of them have tried to take their own lives. A lot of them are self-harming and mermaids will make sure that that as much as they can stops and the kids feel supported and know that they're not alone. And Hannah was their first patron uh, five years ago now, I think. And I was invited on shortly after Hannah and I got together as their first uh, trans man patron, trans male patron. Mm -hmm. And we see the incredible work they do and we see how many wonderful brave together young people come out of that uh, charity and it's very sad because that is not without a huge backlash in the UK because they are accused of trying to uh, push kids into transition and your kids into transition and all of these nonsensical things the gay agenda the trans agenda you know we know that none of those things exist and um, unfortunately mermaids really have been through the ringer but they are a fabulous charity and and any young people that approach us on Instagram that are UK based we always point them towards mermaids because they really they really do save lives
0: so as we near the end of our time today with Jake and Hannah what can these two beautiful kind and loving parents offer us in the form of guidance
2: firstly there's no there's no like blueprint for being transgender or queer or or anything really you are who you are that isn't you know that is not changeable and so don't try to fit any mold whether that be one that you know a cisgender heterosexual society says it is or maybe a queer society just being you is who you are and you should celebrate that and you should love it and be authentic.
1: A lot of the kids that we speak to in fact not even a lot of the kids we get messages you know pretty much every day from people saying you know, I know who I am and I know that I'm trans and it's too late for me to come out and what, you know, what do I do with my life now? We get people in their sort of 40s and 50s and we get kids who are 12 and 13 and they all feel it's too late and they all feel they've missed their window and they all feel that they've wasted their lives and what we would say to all of them, I mean, you know, particularly the kids, <laughs> it's okay, don't worry, you're 13 years old, I know it's tough and I know puberty's about to hit and it's all gonna go to hell but you know, Hannah and I didn't transition until we were both about 27 years old and now obviously, you know, we've got all our futures ahead and, and it will happen for you at the right time. And for those slightly older people who obviously, you know, were from a different generation and and there weren't the resources and there wasn't the support and there wasn't the community back then. Again, I would say it is there now for you and you will find other people like you, you will find your, your family, you will find your tribe. And we are out there and we are vibrant and we are diverse and we are beautiful. And we love, you know, I don't want to kind of you know be, be, be you know accused of saying we love to kind of convert people, but we love welcoming more of you into the fold. And you, we we are all family, and we will all be there to support you. And there is a huge, huge global community of beautiful LGBTQIA identified people who are just ready to make you feel like you belong.
2: Don't give up on yourself. Like I just said, I thought that. I was unlovable, I thought that I couldn't be married, I thought that I couldn't have a family and um, because that's what society had taught me all my life, but it was wrong and you never know what's quite around the corner, so you've got to keep your head up high, make sure you've got a good support network around you, whether that be your actual family or your chosen family, make sure you've got the people around you who make you a better person and support you and pick you up when you fall down and never, never lose that hope because you never know what's around the corner.
0: Catch up with Jake and Hannah on Instagram at Jake underscore graph five, that's G-R-A-F, and at Hannah W two five three. You can learn more about mermaids at their website, mermaids.org.uk. Pride is a production of Straw Hut Media. If you like the show, leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're tuning in from. Share us with your friends, subscribe, and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Pride. You can follow me at Levi Chambers. Pride is produced by me, Levi Chambers, Maggie Bowles, and Ryan Tillotson. Edited by Sebastian Alcala.
2: Just be kind to whoever, whatever. Just do it with kindness.
0: Ugh, you're going to make me cry. (laughs)